On December 15th, families, school nurses, and advocates joined forces at the State House to rally for COVID safety preventions in the Boston Public Schools. The coalition, Families for COVID Safety, is calling on the governor and BPS to take more steps to stop the spread of the virus in our schools and communities. Among the issues they're advocating for are enhancing safety and ventilation in the schools, especially during mealtimes, ensuring ongoing pooled testing in every school, and coordinating with healthcare partners a service plan to increase the percentage of students who are being vaccinated. They are looking for additional funding for public schools and public health to improve protective measures against COVID in the schools and help guarantee an equitable educational opportunity for all. My two children got infected with COVID-19 upon the beginning of the school year. And even though we were very careful before them going back to school and following all the protocols, they both got infected and they went home with no plan, either remote or with a package for them to continue with their studies while they were in quarantine. And this has been very concerning to me and to all of the other parents and other communities in the BPS system. We need better protections and safety for our children and educators. It's super, super important that contact tracing is actually happening in our schools. We've had multiple cases at our school this year that have not been properly contact traced. That means that students and families aren't always getting the information they need about who in their class has been exposed, and students aren't able to focus on learning because they're feeling nervous about whether or not they've been exposed to COVID. We need our schools to have safe, reliable contact testing, contact tracing, and we need reliable pool testing that everyone is opting into to be sure that our students are safe and our families are safe when they're sending their kids to school. It's just the most important thing to be sure that they're learning in the ways that they need to be. There should have been a plan um, prior to them starting. Um, There should have been more um, mitigation strategies. Some of the protocols shouldn't have been pulled back. And it's really hard for me to send my child every day knowing that contact tracing is not happening. It's upsetting. Um, It's, you know, I I know communication is not happening, so it's, we can't trust um, that we, you know, are being told everything that's happening. Um, So I feel like insecure and I feel like I'm putting my child at risk and I really feel, um, you know, like I have no choice. I am a school nurse and I right now I am doing the job of four people. I'm contact tracing, I am making phone calls, following up with isolation. This is just not sustainable for any of us and we are just taking time, it's taking time from our daily routines and we cannot take care of our kids the way we used to. We cannot attend to other needs and this is what is happening and what is really bad for our kids. On December 16th, tenants of the Fairlawn Apartments in Mattapan and the tenant association leaders from the area marched to the Newberry Street corporate office of DSF Group, the landlords of the Fairlawn Apartments. Several of the tenants have been without a lease for nearly three years when the landlord wouldn't sit down with them to negotiate what they considered to be a fair contract. The Fairlawn Tenants Association has refused to pay the initial $300 rent increase and were told that at the time, Anyone who didn't sign a new lease for that amount could still later sign a lease for a new contract for a $500 rent increase. 
The Tenants Association is now looking to work with the landlord on a collective bargaining agreement similar to the contract won by other Tenants Association groups in the area, which resulted in a five-year lease with a stabilized rent. They wanted to raise the rent $300, and I couldn't afford to pay that. So as a punishment to me, they told me that every month that my rent is going to be raised up to $500 every month, and I had to pay that money. So now it's $6,100 in the hole. So I'm saying to them, I don't care. I'm fighting this. I'm not going to stand by and, and let my life be interrupted because you want to be greedy and take my money. I don't have that kind of money. $500 extra a month is just unacceptable to me, and I refuse to pay it. DSF came to Malapin, not because they've done anything, they wanted to do anything for Malapin. They came to Malapin because of the hard work of the community, because of the tax dollars that the community had, had fought so hard to bring to the community, to a commuter rail, a train station. That is why that cost from uh, Fairlawn, they came in to take advantage of that train station. And we're not mad with them, but at the end of the day, they need to sit down and negotiate a long and a long term, fair and reasonable contract with the residents who are there because they're not moving. We shall not be moved. They have been um, retaliating against residents who want uh, safe and sanitary living conditions by increasing the rent. This is how gentrification happens. This is how our communities change because you have corporate landlords that come in and decide that they want to change what the community uh, looks like and extract as much profit as they can from a space. And we know that housing justice is the issue of our moment. Too many of our working class families at Fairlawn in East Boston around the city can't afford to pay rent. And it is our duty as members of uh, our communities, as activists, as electeds, to stand up and say, no, this is why we need rent stabilization. This is why we need to make sure that we are at the negotiating table to make sure that our working class families aren't being kicked out, that we are protecting our communities so that we have a say in what our neighborhoods look like. That one's going to Magnolia Street, this one's going to Moreland, that one's going to South Boston, and this one's going to Roxbury. On December 18th, truckloads of toys, coats, gloves, hats, scarves, and other articles to make for a warmer, merrier Christmas were gathered at the IBEW Local 103 yard and then delivered to various neighborhood sites as gifts for local families and children to brighten up their Christmas holiday. Hundreds of these gifts were donated by the Dorchester-based Local 103 members, staff, and their families for the 8th annual Martin J. Walsh Holiday Toy Drive. The call for donations was sent out to members via social media, email, and other means to gather all these toys for the charity initiative. This local electrical workers union responded by donating these truckloads of gifts that go directly to Boston area families making sure that these families and children in need have Christmas presents of their own to open on Christmas Day. They really deserve to have an extraordinary Christmas. They have been through so much, and this is the opportunity to defend their childhood and really allow them to be children. So they deserve to experience joy, uh, to be children, to be carefree. And uh, I thank um, IBW 103 for supporting these community-based organizations who have these relationships and community with families and, you know, can, can make their Christmas an enjoyable one. I was one of those kids I used to write to Globe Santa um, and we used to get a big box of gifts and so knowing that my mom couldn't afford it, um, it always made me feel as though I was getting something um, and I think that these sort of 
opportunities where, uh, especially for the little ones, um, this is not only a gift for the kids, but it's also a gift for the parents because it relieves some of the financial stressors that they have when they can't provide for their children. To be able to know that um, their kids will still have gifts is, is, is a great thing, especially during these times. But this year in particular, after two years of COVID-19 and being within multiple pandemics, it was so important to make sure that families, particularly in Roxbury and Dorchester, Mattapan, uh, and JP too, knew that people loved them and cared about them and really thankful to all the men and women who donated all these great toys and books and winter gear so that these kids could know that people really do care. And we just feel it's our duty to make sure that we give back to the city and the communities that have been so good to us. So our mission this year was to collect 10,000 toys and articles of clothing um, to represent our 10,000 members um, in Greater Boston and, and give back to these communities that have been just so good to our, to our members and our families for, for many, many years. On December 20th, Mayor Michelle Wu, accompanied by fellow mayors and municipal leaders from Greater Boston, announced Be Together an initiative to require vaccination in certain indoor spaces in Boston, including indoor dining, fitness centers, and indoor entertainment establishments. This public health order issued by the Boston Public Health Commission seeks to slow the spread of COVID-19 and the new Omicron variant. Both patrons frequenting these establishments and employees will be required to show proof of vaccination and the existing mask mandate will remain in effect. The city also announced that it will require vaccination of all city employees on the same timeline, January 15th for the first dose and February 15th for the second dose, unless the individual is granted an exemption for medical or religious reasons. The option for these workers to be regularly tested instead of being vaccinated will no longer exist for these city employees. Today we're announcing that Boston will be implementing a requirement for proof of COVID-19 vaccination for certain indoor spaces, which we're calling our Be Together initiative. Be Together will require proof of vaccination to enter indoor dining, well, three, three categories, just so you can keep the count. First, indoor dining, including bars and restaurants. Secondly, indoor fitness venues, such as gyms. And third, indoor entertainment, recreational, and event venues, such as theater shows or sports games. Starting January 15th, customers or patrons ages 12 and up and employees at these locations will be required to show proof that they've released, received at least one dose of the vaccine. And this will phase into requiring two doses on February 15th. We're also setting dates for children to be vaccinated to enter these spaces beginning in March. For too many months and years, our businesses have been forced to act on their own. Many have already implemented proof of vaccination independently, taking on that burden on their own shoulders, along with so much else from the pandemic. Now we are setting clear standards that will provide straightforward guidance for businesses and ease that burden. Bracing for a new variant and dealing with a winter surge is certainly not what any of us hope for. Though we are all tired and we are frustrated, I'm sure, we must continue to press forward to protect the health and well-being of ourselves, our families, and our communities. Please remember that all of our pre prevention strategies are important. Continue to wear masks indoors, wash your hands frequently, monitor yourself and your children for symptoms, get tested, get vaccinated, get boosted, 
and we will get through this together. With this mandate, we will ensure that our employees are feeling safe and comfortable to return to work and be able to reopen and continue restructuring and rebuilding our businesses. Because unfortunately, we have faced selfish and rude patrons who put their comfort first before the safety and protection of our employees and our teams, our people, our quote-unquote minorities that keep our city and our state running. This mandate will ensure that we can continue keeping our community, a community for all, safe and fit to move forward. We need to continue to bond together and take this on. We need the state to step in and order these measures. We shouldn't have to fight for them. How many more lives do we have to lose? This is important. I know we're done with it, but it's not done with us. We can get there, and we know what works. And for those communities who don't have these measures in place, I want those residents to speak up louder than what you're hearing here and demand that be placed in your city and town. You demand it, because that's what you deserve. That is the core responsibility to what we should be doing in public office, is the health, well-being, safety, your lives, no matter who you are. On December 21st, Mayor Michelle Wu put forth actions to increase the percentage of affordable housing and stabilize the housing market in Boston. The first action is a study of the current inclusionary development program and market conditions to see how the city can assure 20% or more in affordable housing in new construction. Mayor Wu is also considering taking executive action to reducing the number of units that fall into the affordability guidelines. A home rule petition for a transfer fee for additional resources for affordable housing, property tax relief for senior owner-occupied property owners, and forming a rent stabilization advisory group were also announced by the mayor. The cost of housing is among the biggest barriers to being able to stay and thrive in our city, and it is the number one concern I hear from our residents day in and day out. Today, we're sharing a big-picture overview on our plan to increase affordable housing in Boston. First, we will be launching a study of the existing inclusionary development program requirements and market conditions that will examine how Boston can achieve or exceed 20% affordability in new construction, up from the current level of 13%. Our administration will also consider executive action in the new year alongside this study to reduce the number of units that trigger affordability rules and deepen the affordability levels that are required. The Home Rule Petition will also include property tax relief for seniors who are longtime owner-occupants in our neighborhoods. Finally, in the new year, we will be forming a rent stabilization advisory group to study local housing conditions and rent stabilization policies in other cities and then make recommendations to our office in the Mayor's Office of Housing in particular, in preparation for a potential home rule petition in the new legislative session on Beacon Hill. Together, these actions will help us move with urgency towards creating a more affordable city where our working families can stay in their neighborhoods. I think it's just so key that we recognize that the will is there for housing in our city. As the mayor said, it's the thing that is on everyone's lips when you talk to members of the public, but the will isn't enough without resources. And so I think, you know, the through line that runs through the mayor's announcements today is the need to marshal more resources for housing and also to recommend, to recognize with the survey of city public land that one of the resources we need for housing is places to put the housing that can 
house our whole community at every level with all the services required. Um, and so the city really has a dual role, both in marshalling financial resources, but also in, in finding the places and having inclusive um, communities uh, across the city. And This is a moment and a movement that have finally come together, and we know that we still have to get over the finish line. Uh, what the mayor has announced is finally the direction and the moral certitude coming together saying that we are putting housing first. It is not about developing the city, it is about housing people in the city. And the two are not mutually exclusive, but they have for some reason not been meeting each other. Despite the amount of new units that we have put on into tens of thousands, we have not been able to house a majority of people, working people in Boston. And what I see in these initiatives and these studies is not more conversation. I see directed action, I see deadlines that matter, and I see them being informed by the very people who are impacted by them.